0: good to be here at uh, millmont i want to greet you in jesus name and uh, just give you a little bit of update from shalom Uh, i'm sure you're most of you are well aware that that was a congregation started by millmont probably 25 plus years ago i'm not sure sometime back but we uh, are planning to uh, plant another congregation just as you've been doing here That would start in September and be up at Hughesville, and that would take um, probably 50 or so of our people out. And so we're looking at some big changes uh, there um, as well. And I know you've gone through that here recently, too, and uh, know how that is when uh, those of us who would rather not be uh, in the forefront need to pick up the mantle and uh, go with it. And God bless you in that as you um, allow him to use you where he chooses to do so. And uh, anyway, that's just a little bit what's happening in our our lives. Well, I'd uh, like to bring a message this morning on some simple things, I guess, some basic things. Maybe I'll put it that way. Maybe not simple, but basic. A uh, lesson was on Jesus Christ and looking to Christ. And, uh, and I want to... Uh, look at God's method for dealing with sins that are past. God does have a method, and it's very uh, uh, clear and direct. Sometimes we get a little muddy. Um, If we'd ask anyone here how our sins are taken care of, they would say by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that's exactly right. Um, Then sometimes we act in different ways um, that we wonder if there's something in the back of our mind that there's something else that contributes to, that we think there's something else that contributes to atonement for our sins. And I'm thinking of good works. Listen to what is said here. I'm going to be going to Romans. That's what we're going to look at. The beginning, few chapters in Romans, uh, especially uh, chapters 3 to 5. But Jesus uh, says something here in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. There's a group of people coming to him and um, Jesus says this, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, and I think this is a day when he, uh, you know, when we meet the Lord, In that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And I was going to ask you this morning, how many of you did some wonderful works this week? Do you do wonderful works? Well, I hope so. We should all be doing wonderful works. But we aren't doing these wonderful works to um, enhance our standing with God. We do these wonderful works because of what God did for us. And uh, because his spirit lives within us and because we are his children. And yes, it is something God wants us to do. But it does not uh, contribute to the atonement price that was paid for our sins. That atonement price can only be paid by God for the sins that are past. Write your attention to the book of Romans, and I'm just going to give a little bit of a background in some of the things that uh, he states here. I mean, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1 that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation. And that's wonderful. We love to hear it. He loved to preach it. And uh, he preached salvation through Jesus Christ. and people accepted and believed it. Some rejected, but for those who accepted, they were forgiven and cleansed. And he does a very thorough job then, and the Bible does here in Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3, of uh, showing us that all mankind is lost. Um, In chapter 1, he talks about the heathen, and he talks about terrible things they've done. And... uh, He also says that they had the light of conscience. They knew what was right and wrong even though they didn't have the law. And so he says the heathen people broke the law of conscience. They didn't honor God as God when they knew Him as God and so God gave them over to some very wicked things. We find that that type of thing being repeated I believe in our culture, western culture today. And it's very sad. talks about the Jews in the next chapter and he talks about them as being given the law and how that they broke the law, they didn't keep the law. So um, they were lost as well. They, they uh, broke the law that was given to them. So they were guilty before God. And then he finally says that all the world is guilty before God and if we go to chapter 3, um, he talks about that in uh, about the people who have broken the law of God and the, and the uh, designs that God has given about humankind in general. You could start at verse 10 in chapter 3 and we'll read down through a few things he says about the lostness of mankind and he says that they're just without hope. He says uh, in verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ash is under their lips, whose mouth is full of bitter and full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. They must have been reading the local newspaper, or the newspapers for the World News in this. There is no fear of God before their eyes, and verse 19 says, Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith it to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world may become guilty before God. And that is the declaration of these early chapters of Romans simply stated, There is no one on this earth who is not guilty before God. Guilt is common to us all. Um, That's what the uh, early part of Romans thunders out. The uh, sad case of humanity. That's the sad case of me and every one of you outside of Jesus Christ. Condemnation. And uh, Romans has those verses that, that tell it very plainly that um, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so guilt, we we all are in a situation where we cannot be in heaven with God. We are not righteous apart from Jesus Christ. And uh, we are separated from Him. And, and so then we need, we need someone, something to be done about sins, our sins of the past. And so he makes it clear there's no one here who has no sins in the past. And maybe some of you have nothing in your past that you're ashamed of. Nothing. Is anybody here like that? I'd like to talk to you afterwards. There's just nothing that you're ashamed of. That's pretty universal. In fact, The Bible tells us that it is. We have all sinned, and it simply means that. We have transgressed what we know to be right. And um, if we, in that condition, I know recently here you've had some uh, in our community too, sudden death. Out at the west end I heard there was some turbo blew apart and there was a lady died just within minutes. And um, over at our place, there's a tractor pull right across from our house. Really, at the Washingtonville Fairgrounds, a week or a t- couple weeks before that, there was a fellow that was pulling, and he was winding it up, ready to go, and uh, he had a heart attack right on the spot spot, died right there. Uh, fortunately, he didn't have it moving down the track, but we heard about it later. We were having a ministry meeting in the house, and I noticed all of a sudden there's no no noise out there. It stopped. And I found out later that's what happened. But um, they met God suddenly. And um, I don't know what their spiritual condition was of those people when they met God. But um, sins that are past, how are they dealt with? I have met people who seemed to live like... um, that the things that they did and um, were somehow going to um, make some sort of atonement for those sins of the past. Um, if life was hard, they thought that would somehow um, increase their standing with God. And um, we know that's not the case. Verse 20 says it very clearly. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin." If you think you're going to keep all the law really good from now on and be really good, um, it's not going to take away the sin of the past. It's not going to deal with that sin of the past. That's not sufficient. Um, Verse 21, But now the righteousness of God Without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the prophets, by the law and the prophets. He says they all spake of something to come. There is a righteousness that's going to be available to those of us who've sinned, which is the whole human race. Um, it's coming. There's something that's going to be made, even the righteousness which is of God by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then verse 24 begins to lay out God's method to take care of that legal and formal charge that against, is against us. We need a legal and formal acquittal for that which is past, And um, we're finding out that we can't do it on our own. How are we justified? And that's the word I want to use, to be justified before God. That is to be made just to take care of or deal with that sin, to be brought into a right standing with God. And he says in verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And I think we're gonna read right down through here um, several verses. Whom, verse 25, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works, nay, but by the law of faith. Now therefore we conclude that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish it. We need a means to be justified and he's telling us clearly here in uh, chapter 3 that God provided the means. Now why do we need to be justified? Well, number one, he says here in uh, verse 26 that uh, God is just. God is just. And what that means simply is that God is not going to just overlook sin. He's not going to just sweep it under the rug. I don't know how you do when you clean, but God doesn't clean that way. And God's not going to sweep it under and say, oh, that's all right, we're going to let that go. Um, Maybe we'll get that next time. No, God is just. When you get stopped by an officer of the law, if you get justice and you were speeding, what are you going to get? It's going to be a fine. That's justice. And he's saying God is just. That's the reason God is holy and just. And so sin... Needs to be paid for. It's very simple. In fact, if we really wonder about God's being just, there's how just God is. He is that just that he could have, when it came to mankind's sin and the payment that needed to be made, he even sent his own son to pay that. That's how just God is. He he knew that had to be paid. And um, we couldn't simply we could not pay it it was not within our means by any means to pay it and he said it must be paid and he wanted mankind to be in heaven with him that bad to be able to be justified that he sent his own son to pay that debt god is just and he is also the justifier of him which believeth in jesus god is just and he is the one who justifies us He's the one who takes care of those sins that are past when we do it his way, when we come to him for that. He justifies them which believe in Jesus. Um, There is is a wrath of God. We talk about the justice of God, and that simply means there is a wrath of God against sin. And uh, we need to be someone. It talks in verse 25 about God set forth Jesus to be a propitiation. He's to be the one who uh, does the turning away of the wrath of God from us. Jesus bore the penalty for sin uh, rather than allowing it to be jumped uh, on us where it rightly should have been. God allowed Jesus to pay for that. Uh, to make remission for our sins. For sins, he says in verse 25, for sins that are past through the forbearance of God. That's God's method. It was the blood of Jesus Christ, made, it was the propitiation or the payment that turned away the wrath of God against my sins that are past. That's, that's God's doing, God's work. There isn't a work that I do that contributes to that price. I don't save up and put something toward the price of that. But God does ask something from us, and that is that we we believe by faith that that is sufficient, and we accept it. On what basis, then, does God do this or uh, make this righteousness available to us? Um, first of all, we see that it is uh, in verse 24. This happens. This be, we are justified freely. It's by the grace of God. God's grace that made this available to us. It's not something that, uh, again, that we we do to uh, pay for it. But we. That whole plan of how man is justified and being made right by God, right with God, is uh, by God's grace. If God was not a gracious God, there would be no hope of any human being ever being in heaven with God. God uh, does that. There are two things that are necessary to deal with my sins in the past. One of them is the blood of Jesus Christ, and emphasizes emphasized here It is in verse 25, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what's necessary. And the second thing is necessary is faith. He talks about this propitiation is available through faith in His blood. That means I need to accept what God has done as being sufficient. His blood is sufficient to cover my sins, to take away that guilt, to cleanse it. In the Old Testament, when they came with a blood sacrifice, brought it and offered it on the altar. it covered their sins. But the Bible tells us that it was it was a, a bit um, wasn't what totally what was required. it could not take away the guilt. It couldn't cleanse the conscience of the bringer of that where this that God did through Jesus Christ and His blood cleanses our conscience. It was take away the guilt. When we bring our sins to Christ and we believe what he provided through Jesus Christ and his blood, he cleanses our conscience, takes away the guilt. Now, there's still shame and there's a difference between guilt and shame. There's things that I have in my past sins that I'm ashamed of and I don't really want to talk about them or tell you about them. They're shameful. But the guilt of them... Is taken care of by the blood of Jesus Christ, and He cleanses our conscience. I know uh, it's interesting. I've had uh, relatives of mine, older, my uncles, ready, or my one uncle, mine were telling me things that took place when he was a young man, and uh, some things he'd never told his boys, and his boys were there listening, and they told me afterwards, well, we never heard that story, and um, but other things I think he was ashamed of, but yet, uh, you know. It was, it was part of life and it's forgiven. And um, they were thankful to be where they were at. And that's, that's the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what cleanses us. God is just and he is a justifier of us. And that happens um, by his grace, being justified freely by his grace. But it does take faith in our part. We need to take God at his word when he tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to uh, bring us into a right standing, bring us into a place of righteousness with God. God does not just let us off. That wouldn't be just. Um, but he does make that way where we can be justified in his sight. And he talks about um, about uh, boasting and those types of things. When we come to the realization that my sin is not going to be dealt with by my own efforts, not going to be paid for by my own efforts, we begin to realize that we don't have any boasting to do about, where we're at, what God has done for us. Um, We are justified by faith, and it's not by the keeping of the law. Verse 27 talks about that. Boasting is excluded. The works that we do are not works that pay for my past sins. The works that we do are works that we do because Christ is now living in me, and I want to be his child, and um, I just want to do the works that please Him. Now, chapter four is a chapter that speaks about Abraham, and it's an illustration of this justification by faith. An illustration of how, uh, and I'm not think we're going to read this this whole chapter, but I just want to make a few points out of here. He talks about Abraham. What shall we say then, verse one one of chapter four, that Abraham, our father? as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now unto him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, His faith is counted for righteousness. He's saying this, listen. If Abraham had done some works like circumcision, and if it was because of circumcision that Abraham was on a right standing with God, and then it would be that Abraham would have earned his righteousness before God. And if he had earned it, then it was owed to him, right? If you work for wages, it's something you've earned, and it's owed. God would have owed Abraham righteousness. He says that's not the way it is, even with Abraham. The Old Testament saints, they too were justified by faith. They believed what the scripture says. And, uh, and it tells us that here, if we go back to chapter 3, in verse uh, 21, it says that um, the things that God did, the righteousness that He provided through Jesus Christ, were witnessed by the Law and the Prophets. This was something that's been prophesied, that God was going to make a way. And um, Abraham believed God. And it goes on to tell some things that Abraham believed, especially the end of the chapter 4, where Abraham staggered not, in verse 20, at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. That's how Abraham was made righteous before God, by believing God, the truth that God gave him. Now, I don't think Abraham, pretty sure he didn't understand all that we know now about God and Jesus Christ and, and salvation and, and justification. But he believed what he was given of God and he acted on it, even though it, it looked like it was an impossibility. Um, and he says there, Verse 22, Therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now it was not imputed for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it should be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, and was raised again for our justification. Christ was delivered for our offenses, and raised again for our justification, to make us in right standing with God. Now interestingly, he, says, he uses a word here, he says imputed. To him it was imputed. It was put on his account, put on Abraham's account, the righteousness that comes from God, imputed to him, as it is imputed to us also. My bank account was empty when it came to paying for my own sin. God imputed. He put there what was necessary for the payment. If I accept, by faith, what he has done. So that's the illustration of Abraham. Often I wonder, you know, how did the Old Testament saints gain a right standing with God? It says here they did it by believing in God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And. Um, that was, that was the method then, before Jesus Christ came. They still had offerings and sacrifices. But if they were in unbelief, I think of our uh, devotions and our Sunday School lesson and uh, how that <clears throat> talks about the sin. And the sin. One of the sins that Israel had a problem with was unbelief. And uh, that caused them not to enter into the promised land. If we go to chapter 5, and I just want to go into a couple of verses here where he talks about the blessing of being justified. Those who have believed God and accepted God's method of justification, then there is um, blessings that come along with that. There's benefits. God is a God who does give out benefits. Um, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Therefore being justified, that carries the idea of an ongoing action. Our justification with God is something that continues through life. We have been justified. Our sins have been taken care of in the past. And um, we are being justified now as we're a child of God. God takes care of the sins that we uh, will commit occasionally. And we, we realize that we have and we bring them to Him. And right here, maybe I should bring this in. When we talk about justification. And uh, that's in chapter six verse one. It talks about continuing in sin. As a believer, the believer in sin. and John talks about this too. First John, we cannot live in sin now as a justified believer, the same way as we did before we came to Christ. There will be problems inside. <laughs> we will be convicted, we will be guilty, we will want to get rid of that sin, and we will. Um, By the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we will know that we have sinned, and we will want to deal with it and be cleansed of it. Um, And those verses in 1 John talk about that, but if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he's advocating our cause. And he recognizes, says, comes to God, and he says, Jay has sinned. And uh, Jesus tells God, but I know that when the Holy Spirit and his conscience speak to him, he's going to repent. So on that basis, God, I ask you to forgive him. What happens if I sinned and, and um, I'm killed just like that? A heart attack and I drop. I didn't realize I sinned, but I drop. Am I saved or lost? Well, I believe on the basis of what God knows His children will do, if you had the chance, that God counts that as uh, being forgiven. If He didn't, anytime we committed a sin, we would become lost. So you'd be saved, lost, saved, lost, all through life. That's not what the Bible tells us Christian life is about, being saved and lost throughout life. And um, I think when we come to Christ and we're truly in faith, believing what he has provided and that he paid the penalty for our sins and that all the good works that I do now are just an outflowing of what he has provided within me through the Holy Spirit, that uh, we're a new person. We have a new heart. We have new desires. We have new actions. God understands that. And we will repent when we sin. Uh, And God knows that. And that's part of Jesus being at the foot of the Father, or at the throne of the Father. He's not at his feet, he's at his throne. And um, advocating for us. When Satan comes and accuses us, (laughs) look at that, you think he's such a good child of yours, look, he fell. And Jesus says, he's going to repent. We're going to convict him, and he's going to repent. And I know that. And that's part of what goes on. We don't live. That's why verse... Chapter 6, verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Sin is abhorrent to us. And that's a whole different subject. That's sanctification. We still live in a world we've been justified. We've been cleaned up. We're clean. But now we're still in a dirty world. What are we going to do in this dirty world? Well, occasionally we will sin and fail. But we're going to... uh, We're not going to live in that sin. We're not going to wallow in it. We're not going to be comfortable in it. We're going to want to be cleansed of it and be out of it and uh, renewed back to that cleansed position. That's what we will do. And that's how we live from now on. And he talks about uh, being buried with him and some of those things. But here's some more of the blessings that we have. Here's what what he says. we being being justified. And it's by faith. Number one, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. When you see a police officer, if you're not doing anything wrong, you get all nervous and uptight. Well, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Does your foot come off the flat gas and you go on the brakes? Well, I hope you don't act that way. I've done it already, but... Um, I just it frustrates me when you're traveling down the highway and all of a sudden you see brake lights and oh, there's an officer. What's the matter with these people? If you lived right all along, you wouldn't need to be worried about getting on the brakes. <laughs> but we have peace with God. If that was me, that would have died instantaneously in the last week or two, and I met God now. Well, if I'm living at peace with God, it's not a problem. We will meet God. If he's asking me to do things that I'm refusing, if I know I'm living in sin and I know I'm not ready to meet God, then fear and trembling. Our God is a consuming fire. What our Sunday school lesson ended with. Then we do need to fear God's wrath. Peace. That's harmony and acceptance with God. Uh, A peace that uh, the world can't take away with all the things that go on. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There is an access to God. You have an access to God by prayer. You can pray to him wherever you're at. And uh, connect. And he does hear you. God does not promise to hear those who are not his children. Who are not believers. Um, If they pray a prayer of forgiveness and prayer of faith. He will accept them, but but uh, He does say that uh, He will hear our prayers. And so we have access. He invites us to come boldly to the throne of grace. That we might find grace and uh, strength to help in time of trouble. <clears throat> it's where we stand in His grace. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There is a rejoicing that comes with that and not a heaviness. <clears throat> And he also talks about hope down further here in these verses, um, rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. And uh, also, there's there's trials and sufferings that do, that do come. Well, I'm not going to tell you that the Christian life is all road of e- bed of ease. You know that we are not. Uh, you've experienced some of that. We are not exempt of the trials of life that come. So again, I just want us to uh, be clear in our minds as we think about uh, being cleansed of sins in the past and how that happens. It's not through doing wonderful works. It's not something that we earn and that becomes owed to us uh, as payment of a debt. But Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, 22, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me ye that work iniquity. So if God would ask us when we come to His throne and His face, on what basis should I allow you into my kingdom, you're not going to say, I did many wonderful works. I preached the gospel. I preached for 20 years. Wrong answer. You're going to say, sorry, Jesus Christ and His blood cleansed you from your sins. That's the answer. Uh, Jesus Christ I trusted in Christ I believe what you said that his blood is sufficient and I lived with that knowledge and um, I've got a new heart and a new life and your spirit indwells me because of what Christ did then I'm a child of yours God will say I know you you've worked my works enter into the joy of your Lord that's the promise we have of God believe it and live it shall we Kneel for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that through Jesus Christ, your blood makes atonement, pays for our sins of the past, cleanses us of sins in the present, and helps us to live uh, without being overcome by the power of sin in our lives today. We thank you. Lord, may we by faith accept what you've done and uh, realize the proper place of works in our lives uh, fully. And uh, we thank you for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.